Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. There was a movie that came out back in 1990 that basically the guys were telling me about, and I haven't seen it, and they were telling me uh, about this movie, and it's called Mr. Destiny. Mr. Destiny. Now, labor with me for just a moment. I want to explain the movie. Now, if you haven't seen it, I'm going to spoil it, but uh, it's in 1990, and if you haven't seen it by now, okay, too bad. You know, that's 30 years. But this movie is very relevant because it's about a young man who, at 15 years old, was in the state baseball championship. He had the 3-2 count, bottom of the ninth, runners on second and third. So the final pitch comes, and to everyone's amazement, um, he strikes out. And the home team loses the game, and you guys know the whole thing. Now, the plot of the story is that for the next 20 years, this fellow named Larry, okay, not you, Larry, not this Larry, but Larry seemingly goes through life unsatisfied. His life is boring, mundane, if you will. He married a great woman, but she wasn't the prom queen, the prom, prom queen or the head cheerleader. And in the movie, the plot thickens as Larry's guardian angel comes to him and offers him a different opportunity. Larry, where did life go wrong, he asks. Well, man, if I had only hit that ball, my life would have been so much better. Now, you may know where this is going, but the guardian angel grants him an opportunity where he can actually hit the home run. Now, his life automatically changes. It's completely different. I mean, from here on, he married the boss's daughter who happened to be the prom queen. He was wealthy beyond anything. He had maids, butlers, several cars, a huge house that really looked like a hotel. And from the moment he hit that ball, life was totally, quote-unquote, different. But he still, in that sense, recalled his old life. He recalled the smaller house, the broken car, the simple wife, if you will. And really, he recalled the simple life. Okay, Ben, 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 where, where, where are you going with it? Well, hang in there, hang in there. In the final few scenes of the movie, Larry comes to find out that wealth, that money, and, and work, and labor were not synonymous with satisfaction. He actually realized that instead of wishing or wanting life to be different, his satisfaction was to simply embrace his destiny. Now, the reason I share the movie with you is because it really just jumped off the pages because this is exactly what Solomon is going to point out today in our study. He's going to point these out. And again, remember, I'm entitled this message, We're, we're Searching for Satisfaction. And like, if, if we were to do an honest assessment and we take a step back, we could too also say, oh, I'm not satisfied in life. And maybe you are today, and with that I applaud you, but there's a lot of people in the world, there's a lot of people that'll be listening to this that'll say, no, 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 I'm really not, quote unquote, satisfied. Okay, I like my job, and, and you know, my husband, all right, my wife's, but, but we're really not satisfied, and again... This is what we're going to look at, searching. We're all searching for satisfaction in life. And again, today, tonight, we discover that Solomon is actually going to address this. And he's going to give us the three of life's mysteries. So if you're taking note, he's going to give us this, riches riches without enjoyment. Riches without enjoyment. That's point number one. Number two, Solomon is going to talk to us about labor or work without satisfaction. And then three, he's going to give us questions without any answers. Again, let me repeat those because these are the same things that people are searching for today. Riches without what? Enjoyment. Riches without enjoyment. He's going to talk to us about that. He's going to talk to us also about, guys, labor without satisfaction. Labor without satisfaction and questions without answers. Three very, very important um, uh, life's mysteries, if you will. Now, if you haven't been with us, we've been walking through the book of Ecclesiastes. 
And if you have been with us, then you know it's been kind of a frustrating yet sobering look at life. I mean, I don't know how else to say it because Solomon is observing what life is like under the sun. He's kind of just pointing out what's going on in, in real life, if you will, in reality. And his observations, his observations are a bit frustrating because he's going to say this. You ready? No matter what you pursue, no matter what you do, no matter what the status you achieve, whatever happens under the sun, he goes, it all adds up to this. He's meaningless. He's meaningless. Now, listen, I love the fact that God calls us to encourage each other. Hey, Abel, good job, keep going, and, and uh, way to go, and, and Keon, good job with the drums and all of this stuff, and we're just encouraging each other, amen. But I don't know if Solomon would be in our corner, because he'd look at Keon and go, really, Keon, Psh, drums? Eh, it's all meaningless anyway. What are you going to get out of hitting? Boom, boom, boom. And then he'd go to somebody else and he'd go, okay, what about your life? And, 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 and not one of us here, let's be honest, would invite him over to the house for dinner. It's like, hey, hi, hi, honey, what did you do? I invited Solomon. Oh, no, no, no. He's, he's just a bummer all the time. He's just like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? We have a college graduate in our midst. You go, who? Mel, got, he's going to graduate from... College, and yeah, he's worked hard for the last several months. I know that. I've been, I've been quizzing him every step of the way. Okay, what'd you learn this way? And, and, and here's the point. Not to lift up Mel, but you know what Solomon would say? Why'd you do it? It's all being, you're chasing the wind, Mel. So there has to be something different. It's not under the sun. It's over the sun. It's over the sun. But with Solomon, man, he says it's all, it's all meaningless. And, and he would tell us something like this. I don't care if you go the route of humanitarian aid or you go the route of wealth, status, and success. When it's all said and done, our lives are meaningless and vain under the sun. Now, you can see what he's doing, guys. He's prompting us to look way than what we see here on earth. And there has to be something that brings satisfaction far more than what we see on earth. And again, think about this. Think about this. In our lives, when we get married, we hope that our wife or our husband will bring satisfaction. And in, in, to an extent, they do. There's a little bit of that, okay? But not to the full extent where you go, man, I am fully satisfied. Because we won't be satisfied until we look over the sun. And we put our faith and trust in God. You see, that's how God created us. He created us with eternity in our hearts. And in, 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 a, in a strange way, with eternity in our hearts, whether we're believers or not, this is what we've just, we, we just remember that there's something more. And, you know, Deion Sanders is all the rage now. You know, he's 3-0 and and... Colorado, and there's all these memes. But one of the things he said that I found interesting that he could relate to Solomon is, is one of the memes that Deion Sanders said is that he partied, he had money, bought gold chains, did all this, and he said none of that ever satisfied. He said it wasn't until he found a relationship with Jesus Christ that, that brings satisfaction. And so that, that's exactly what Solomon said. Like, like Dion was like, you know, he had money, he has money, riches, fame, fortune, but another thing he said, and I'll never forget, in one of the interviews, uh, it wasn't the one on 60 Minutes on Sunday night. I saw that. I, I bet you saw that too. But, but he said this. He said that all these guys, now, now that he's in Colorado, all these guys are trying to break him. They're, all, they're coming at him and attacking him. And you know what he said? he said? He said, you can't break me because you didn't make me. And in essence, here's what he's saying. You can't steal my joy because my joy doesn't come from, from you. It, it comes from the Lord. That's what, that's what Paul would say. And that's what Solomon would say. That's where sat, that, no, you can be satisfied, but the world won't give you that. It has to come from somewhere else. Now, here's what we covered so far. Okay, let me give you a very quick trip. In chapters 1 and 2, we talked about the treadmill of life. 
and how we all end up in the same place. Where? He says the grave. So we must pay attention to the results of your pursuits so that you don't end up at the end of life realizing, man, all my life was spent on the treadmill going nowhere. Going nowhere. In chapters 1 and 2, it's very interesting because we've got to think about this. Now, at the end of our study, he's going to give us some really good advice. And this is advice that you and I have a hard time putting into practice. We really do. And so he's going to give us some good advice, but think about this. I don't want to go through life on the treadmill just trying to get somewhere and not getting anywhere. Ask my wife how wonderfully she loves the treadmill. She hates the treadmill. Not the treadmill of life, but if you say, hey, Natalie, you want to go for a run? She's out for a run. She's over there. She's having a great time. She's praying. She's seeing all the trees, everything. Now, if you ever go on vacation with us, you can rest assured that you are going to go on a run on the beach in the morning, no matter what. So you better be ready. But come about October, she's forced to get on the treadmill. Ah, I've got a different wife from October, November, December, January. She does not like the treadmill. Why? Because she doesn't go anywhere. She's running and she's doing the work, but it's the same. And this is what he's saying in chapter 1 and 2. And he doesn't want us to come to our end of our lives, guys, and be like, oh, man. And then we get to chapter 3. And in chapter 3, he says, hey, God has placed all these ingredients life and he's given these things in life. And he's given us things like mourning, and he's given us things like sorrow, and he's given us joy and laughter. And he says there's a time to reap and a time to sow, a time to be born and a time to die. And all these things in life are placed in our hearts so that our hearts might grow for eternity. And so that our hearts might long for something beyond the sun. And in chapter 4, he says this, if you don't find people to lock arms with, to do life with, to do this thing, you're going to have a very, very, very difficult time navigating through life. You see, he created us to be what? To be together, to lock arms, to do community. You understand that's how God, why God created us. He created us in our personalities. And even though you're an introvert, or an extrovert, the introverts like to stand back and watch things, but they still need the, they still need the, um, um, the charge of people from time to time. Now, they don't get fully charged with people. As a matter of fact, they, too many people will, will decharge them, but then you get an extrovert who wants to be, hey, uh, you know what? You put them in a room by themselves, they'll decharge right away. You put them around people, they love it. Why? Because God created us to do community. You guys track it with me. This is why when 2020 happened and they decided to um, just to, again, not let us be social. And I'm not even talking about the church. I'm talking about everywhere. This was going to really, really not be good for people. And it really breaks my heart that so many grandmas and grandpas died alone because we couldn't, we couldn't be together. We couldn't be together. And this is what Solomon, this is what the Word of God is saying. He's saying that we're called to what? We're called for a community, a call for you and me to get connected with other people so that we can walk and do life with. Then last week we talked about this. As you approach the Lord, approach Him with reverence and fear. Remember, he said, which way are your feet pointing? And it wasn't like, well, I'm going this way. He says, be careful how you walk, because when you come into the house of the Lord, you come into the house where, where my saints are gathered, you don't just go, oh, yeah, well, bless the Lord, oh, my word. Uh, you know, and, and, and he says, be careful. Be careful. Because there's a couple of things that can happen. Number one, Number one, you're in a wilderness. You feel like you're in a dry desert time. And so the things of the Lord aren't sparking that anymore. Or, number two, we're going through a religious routine and we don't have a relationship with Jesus. And we're just here. Why am I here? Well, because they made me come. Because I, I'm, I'm, I'm obligated to come. And then you come, you check it off, 
and then you go on your merry way. Solomon says, no, 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 listen. He says, be careful. Be careful how you approach the Lord and how you approach Him should be with reverence and fear. We still need to remember that He's God. Every now and then, I don't know about you, but I like to go on YouTube and I like to kind of see the expansion of like the universes and just see how far out and just see how crazy it is out there. How God just created all of this. And I'm just like blown away because it, it reminds me how big God is and how insignificant I am. God is, you know, we go, oh, okay, well, this is God. This, you know, what are you doing? Oh, the man upstairs and all of this stuff. But far more than that, we approach him with reverence ah, and awe. And remember last week we saw Solomon take a break from lamenting and give us kind of a brief oasis. He says, look at the temple. He teaches us to take... Um, basically take take head on which way our feet are pointing for they show direction of our lives and now in chapter 5 and 6 we're going to see Solomon do the same thing he's going to pick up his lament where he left off and he's going to say this ready there's no satisfaction in your riches there's no satisfaction in your work and this is just the way life is under the sun End quote. That's what he's going to tell us. So, are you all ready for this? Here we go. Number one, jot this down. Riches without enjoyment. Riches without enjoyment. Okay? Solomon, our buddy Solomon, our boy Solomon, has already discussed the futility of, the futility of wealth. He did that way back in chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Okay? 1 through 11. And some of those ideas are going to be repeated here. And what he does in our study tonight is he demolishes every, every several myths, if you will, that people are told about wealth. Okay? You ready? Myth number one. This is where he's going to bring it down. Wealth brings satisfaction. Wealth brings satisfaction. Now, I know all y'all in here are super smart. You realize that wealth doesn't bring that, but that is a myth. Notice, but, but, but the Word of God is going to talk about us, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, boy, I would like to try that. I would like a little bit of wealth. I sure would like, I mean, I, I, I don't have any, so I don't know, but now you're telling me this, and, um, but let's see, what, let's see what Solomon says. Let's see what the Word of God says. Look at verse 10 with me in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. He says, this is also vanity. Do you guys remember vanity? It means it's meaningless. It's meaningless. So Solomon right here is saying this to you and I. No matter how much money you have, the word of God declares that it won't bring true satisfaction. It won't bring true satisfaction, no matter how much money you have. Now, this is a sobering thought. Here we come to Calvary, we come to church tonight, and and pastor says, man, listen, he who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver. But see, Solomon's going to go deeper in chapter 6, guys, but right off, the bat, right off the bat, he declares to us, he says, search and seek. He says, but wealth doesn't bring satisfaction. Wealth doesn't bring satisfaction. Why? Well, the human heart was made to be satisfied only by God. Only by God. Paul tells us, guys, that we have to be careful that we don't reverse the creative order. Because what we tend to do as humans in our sinful nature is we start to worship not the Creator, but everything that He's created. And God did create wealth. God created wealth. He, 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 he allows people, certain people, you and I know them, to be wealthy. Very wealthy. And you can't figure it out for the life of you. You know they're not serving the Lord. You know they're not doing. They're just, they're wealthy and God, God does that. But sometimes for you and I as believers, we reverse the creative order and we start to worship creation and we don't worship the creator. Worship the creator. Now keep that in mind because the way what God did, what God does for you and I is he says the human heart was made to be what? To be satisfied with God only. God only. So, if you now worship God, 
and he is your all in all, everything that stems down is good. Your relationship is great because God is first. You're not worshiping your wife, you're worshiping God. And you're thankful for your wife, you're thankful for your husband, you're thankful for your home, you're thankful for your riches, you're thankful for all the things that you have in your life, you're thankful that you ate today or didn't eat today, whatever it might be. You're thankful because you worship God. And at the end of the day, church, listen to me, at the end of the day, you and I realize that this is really not going to be our home. And so if we spend 50, 60, 70, 80 years, 90 years here, and, 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 and we hope to be satisfied, we really aren't, are we? Because true satisfaction comes from walking with God. And one of the biggest struggles of walking with God on this earth is this flesh. And I can't wait to let go of this flesh and worship Him the way He wants and needs to be worshipped. That's hard. It's that inner civil war. Why? Because your spirit goes, bless the Lord. And you, man, you just have this amazing quiet time. And your flesh is like, oh, I'm tired. Let's not do that. I'm sick. Let's not do that. Oh, no, come on. Just five more minutes. Hit the snooze. Hit the snooze. And we struggle and we, we do that. We'll come from a Bible study. As a matter of fact, it might happen to some of you tonight. You'll be like, yeah, that was a great Bible study. This is amazing. And you'll be just all pumped up walking out the driveway. And somebody will get right in front of you and almost cause you to crash. And you go from, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, to, I'm going to kill you and just be angry. And that's the civil war that you have in you. And so we got to go, okay, crucify the flesh. Okay, worship the Lord. And so you say, Stop that, young man. Why did you get in front of me? Beep. And may the Lord keep you from the lion's den. That's what you got to do, okay? That's Just pray that the Lord keeps them from the lion's den. So what did Jesus say to you and I about wealth? What did he talk to us about wealth? Well, according to Luke chapter 12, verse 15, And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of things he possesses. You see what Jesus said? He says, man, be careful. Take heed. Your life doesn't consist of the stuff that you have. The stuff that you have. It's just stuff. It's just stuff. Now, come on. You guys are looking at me like, I know, Pastor, you're preaching. We're here. Hurry up. No, 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 no. But, but isn't that the struggle of the stuff that we have? And it's really weird because we want more stuff. We want more stuff. And we want, we want nicer stuff and bigger stuff and stuff. There's a weird dynamic that happened as we were growing up. And one of the things was that our great grandpas and grandmas didn't have anything. You know what I'm talking about, right? And so they wanted to make a better life for our grandparents. And our grandparents didn't have anything, and so they wanted a better life for their, for our moms and dads. And our moms and dads wanted to have a better life for us. And so we're at this point now where we, we're just, we keep passing it down, and guess what that includes? That includes stuff and things and big and nice. You go, man, this is a, this is a bummer Bible study, man. I was... I was hoping to get a new golf club, you know, and now I can't because I'm not going to pay attention. I'm going to go get one anyway. But it doesn't satisfy. It doesn't satisfy. It doesn't. Now, here's what we should do with our stuff. Our stuff should be something, a tool that God uses to glorify him. And if somebody needs our stuff, give them your stuff. Give them your stuff. <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? It's hard. You worked for that stuff. And you're going, man, they, you know, but, but seriously. Seriously. Here's the problem. When it comes to possessions, guys, when they possess us, that's where the stress and the anxiety comes from. Trying to maintain all of these things. All of these things. You know what? The less stuff you have, nobody will want to break in your house. Just tell you that right now. They'll look in and go, oh my gosh, they're poorer than us. Keep going, you know, move, move on to the next house. <laughs> I had, I'm not kidding you, for the longest time in my, in my, um, 
my little cabinet that I got, my little, little cabinet I bought for $40 because I had to fix it. That's a whole other story. I had a 19-inch TV there for the longest time. Longest time, 19-inch. And then we graduated to a 27-inch. Now, this is the time when we're getting, there's 32s and 42s and 52s and 70s and 900s. You know what I'm talking about? People come to my house and go, can you even see that? And go, no, not really. But I realized that nobody's going to break into my house and steal a 27-inch TV, right? Why? Well, first of all, it's heavy. <laughs> like this. Right? It's one of those big, giant things. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but you know what? It's just the point is, Jesus told us, he said, take heed and beware of covetousness. Man, your life, your life doesn't consist of the things that you have. That's not what makes you up. It's your heart. Let me give you myth number two. You ready? Myth number two. Money solves every problem. Money solves every problem. Look at verse 11. When goods increase, Solomon writes, they increase who eat them. So what profit have the owners except to see them with their eyes? You go, okay, what's he saying? Well, let me give it to you in the New Living Translation. It says a little bit different. The more you have, the more you spend, right up to the limits of your income. So what is the advantage of wealth except perhaps to watch it as it runs through your fingers? <laughs> so, so again, think about this. Money doesn't solve all our problems. There's no escaping the fact that we need a certain amount of money in order to live in this world. Amen? But listen, money in itself is not a magic cure-all for all the problems. Think about it. More money, more problems, right? And Solomon mentions, mentioned relatives and friends starting to show up and enjoying the hospitality. All we can do is watch them eat up our wealth. Can you imagine? And you guys know this. Because we live in lottery states, you guys know that there have been more divorces and more everything. When somebody wins the lottery, I won the lottery, I won 14 million. All of a sudden, man, you have, you have cousin Bubba coming up, you know, out of, hey, we're cousins, can I? And they start hitting you up and you're like, what? But it ends up, it ends up again. Think about this, guys. What's he saying? Money doesn't solve every, oh, if I just had enough money. And I know we think about it. I just, I don't need to be, I don't need to be filthy rich. I just need my bills paid. Come on, somebody. I just need to get, I just need to get out of credit card debt. I just need to get that. But the moment you do that, what do you do? If you don't have that extra income, you use your credit card and all of a sudden it, it seems to go back up, doesn't it? We have to realize that it doesn't solve all our problems. That's a myth. Let me give you myth number three. Wealth will bring peace of mind. Wealth will bring peace of mind. Look at verse 12. The sleep of the laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. Whoa, 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 whoa. What did Solomon just say? Working men, working men sleep good, but rich men worry and has insomnia. Is that a good place for an amen? Isn't it true? Isn't it true? Working man, you work hard, you do your thing, you go home, you start. You don't have to worry. See, it was J.D. Rockefeller at the age of 53 was the world's only billionaire, earning about a million dollars a week. But he was very sick man and lived on crackers and milk. He couldn't sleep at all because all he did is worry. Now, when he started giving away his money, his health changed radically, and he actually lived to celebrate his 98th birthday. So, think about this. Think about this, guys. Yeah, I mean, it's good to have the things that money can buy, provided you don't lose those things that money can't buy. Let me say that again. It's good to have things that money can buy provided you don't lose the things that money can't buy. Let me give you number four. Myth number four. Wealth provides security. Wealth provides security. Now, to some extent, it does, doesn't it? But notice what Solomon is declaring here. Picking it up in verse 13, he says, There is a severe evil which I have seen under the sun. Riches kept for their owner... To his hurt, 
but those riches perish through misfortune. When he begets a son, there is nothing in his hand, and he's come from his mother's womb. Naked shall he return to go as he came, and he shall take nothing from this from his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. And this also is a severe evil. Just exactly as he came, so shall he go. And what profit has he who has labored for the wind? All his days he eats the darkness and has much sorrow and sickness and anger. Now, here's the picture. The picture here is of two rich men. One hoarded all his wealth, and it ruined himself by becoming a miser. The other one made some unsound investments, and he lost all of his wealth. And again, when you think about this, this should take our minds to the Lord's parable about, about the rich fool. Do you guys remember that? And so think about what he said. You've got one man who goes, okay, I'm, I need to have more, I need to have more, I need to have more. Now, there's something that happens to us when we grow up poor. We tend to hold on to everything. You guys know what I'm talking about? We tend to pull and hold on, and, uh, and uh, it, it, it's, it's crazy. But then you have another one who hoarded that basically uh, he made some unsound financial decision, lost it all, lost it all. Now, think about this. Solomon right here is... He's neither advocating um, riches nor poverty. He's not saying, okay, well, it's better to be rich. Paul, you should be rich. It's better. No, no, no. You should be poor, Mel, that sort of thing. He's not, he's not advocating either one. Okay? What he's remembering, he says, guys, listen, um, both of these, whether you're rich or poor, if you remember, they both have their problems. Now, here's the point. The point is, he's trying to get us to think outside the box, if you will. Okay? Under the sun, we look at people and we think, "Oh, well, this is this is where it's at. I've got to make I've got to make money. I've got to I've got to make money." And so, what we do is we try that wealth is going to bring satisfaction. Well, wealth doesn't bring satisfaction. It doesn't bring satisfaction in problem solving. It doesn't bring satisfaction in security. It doesn't bring all of that. And what he wants us to realize is that God's going to give us the money. He's going to provide for us every step of the way. But what we need to do is we need to have our faith and trust in Him and put uh, over over the sun. That's what he's going to talk about. But then you've got another group of people who are going to come in here and say, no, 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 here's what I do. It's not about the money. It's about the satisfaction of my job. And we should really like our job. You understand that we really should. So I can't even give you the statistics of how many Americans get up and go to a job they hate simply because it pays the bills. But I don't know how many of them are going, I'm really satisfied in my job in my job now well this is going to be continued um, as we continue our study we're going to come back to verses 18 through 20 as we close our study but chapter 6 1 um, we're going to say goodbye to the myths and are given life's mysteries okay so look at keep going with me we'll come back to 18 through 20 um, let's talk about riches without enjoyment ecclesiastes chapter 6 1 and 2 solomon writes there is an evil which i have seen under the sun and it is common among men a man whom god has given riches and wealth and honor so that he lacks nothing for himself of all he desires yet god does not give him power to eat of it but a foreigner consumes it this is vanity and it's an evil affliction Riches without enjoyment. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, as I'm observing life under the sun, it's important to remember here. He's looking at life under the sun. He's saying, I'm seeing an evil that presses against humanity. Okay, Solomon, what's that? It's an evil that every one of us faces, and it's prevalent among all the human race. Well, Solomon tells us, well, he says, well, here it is. Here it is in verse 2, but I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Go ahead and put that up there, Joe. God gives some people great wealth and honor and everything they could ever want, but then he doesn't give them a chance to enjoy these things. Why? Because they die. And someone else, even a stranger, a foreigner, ends up enjoying their wealth. Solomon says, this is meaningless and a sickening tragedy. Do you guys see that? 
Do you see that? Here's the evil. God will bless and give wealth and possession and riches and power and honor. And yet, if we do not have the ability to enjoy those things, which God has not given people the ability to enjoy those things under the sun, then he says it's a sickening tragedy or a grievous evil. It can also be translated a malignant disease or an evil sickness. An evil sickness. Now, here's what I want you to put on your thinking caps for just a moment, because here's the point, okay? There are times that there are riches without enjoyment, and if you don't fully understand all that Solomon is trying to teach us, then we'll walk out here going, well, that, that was, we'll just be, we'll be super, we'll be super bummed. So put on, uh, put on your thinking caps. For you and me to have things to enjoy, but not be able to enjoy them, Solomon says, man, that feels like a malignant disease. You sh- have these things to enjoy, and you're not able to enjoy them. Now, I want you to think about this. I am so advocating that every one of us work, because the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat, and so we need to work. And if you're retired, amen, God bless you. But here's the point. The point is some of us get to the place where we've worked for 65, 66, 68, 70 years, and then we say, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I've worked so hard. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy my time, and then in two years, you're gone. And you didn't enjoy any of it. You told your wife of your youth, you look at her and say, sweetie, we're going to travel. We're not, we're going to, and then, and then you get to that point and, and you both retire and then you don't travel and you have all this money in the bank and you're gone. And we don't, and, and God's provided all of these things. We don't, we don't, if we can't enjoy them, then really it is a malignant disease, isn't it? If we can't enjoy it. The problem is, for a lot of us guys, is we feel like we have to have an abundance of everything to enjoy life. We want to go to a restaurant, and let's say, hey, listen, all, after church, all y'all, let's go out to eat, it's on me. And I have so much, and it's so great, and I'm just going to, I'll just write the check, and, and you're like, cool, let's go. That doesn't bring satisfaction. People have that kind of money, but it doesn't bring Satisfaction. Solomon, again, let me reiterate this. He's saying, if you and I have things to enjoy and we're not able to enjoy them, this is a sickness that is spread throughout all of humanity that you and I have been gifted with good and honorable things And yet we find no satisfaction, no lasting joy, no riches, no depth in these things under the sun. Here's what Warren Wiersbe says, quote, Enjoyment without God is merely entertainment, and it does not satisfy. Enjoyment without God is merely entertainment, and it does not satisfy. Well, it goes on. We're moving quickly. Look at verse 3 through 6, and surely deal with this as a hypothetical case. Okay, look at verse 3. If a man begets a hundred children and lives many years, so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with goodness, or indeed he has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better than he. For it comes in vanity and departs in darkness, and its name is covered with darkness. Throughout it, has not been seen under the sun or know anything. This has more rest than that man, even if he lives a thousand years twice, but has not seen goodness. Do not all go to one place. Okay, I want you to I want you to feel the weight of what he's saying here. Okay, grasp the gravity. You go. What do you mean? There's a lot of culture going on. So, and you go. How so? Well, Hebrew to be wealthy. Um, in the Hebrew, to be wealthy and have a lot of kids meant God was pleased with you. This is how they looked at you, okay? And if you were wealthy and had a lot of kids, God had that special favor. You, you, were, you were good with God. But I want you to notice something. Notice that his soul, his soul is not satisfied. And to have lots of money and a large family and feel blessed, and yet his family didn't love him, 
For when he died, notice what the Word of God says, they didn't even mourn. The Bible says he had no burial. Dad was doing all of these things, and, 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 and his family was like, eh, eh. Let that sink in for just a moment. For you and I, and we honestly do, we put a lot of stock in money. I understand we have to have money to live. Don't get me wrong. But when we take money and we, well, what does the Bible say? The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. But if we take that money and we elevate it above God, riches, wealth, then we're really not going to be sad. The Word of God is, 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 is really clear. So, this is written from someone who, think about it, Solomon was, was he, he didn't, you understand how much money he had. And he's really looking down and he's going, here's what I'm going to write. I have it all. I have everything I could ever imagine. I have servants and I have these maids and butlers and house cleaners and this and this and this and this and I have the latest gadgets and everything. I have everything I could ever want. He goes, but I'm not satisfied. Why am I not satisfied? He says, because it's only in a relationship with Jesus that brings satisfaction. It's only in a relationship. Everything else should stem from there. According to Matthew, the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. Added unto you. You and I, we could take a moment, and I won't have you do it, but we can take a moment and look back at our lives and look at all the mistakes we made because we didn't seek the kingdom of God first. And all the errors of, of oh, man, Ben, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. I, ah. No matter how much you possess, if you don't possess the power to enjoy it, Solomon says, well, you might as well have never been born. Wow. And Solomon's conclusion was that it was better for this man had never been born. Reminds me of Job, doesn't it? Job had everything, everything, everything. Very wealthy. And again, you think about that, let that soak through you. And he was thinking, man. And I like what Solomon says. I mean, what Job says. Job says, should we only take the good from God and not the evil? But then he goes on to say, man, it's better that, that I hadn't been born. And so we're thinking about this and going, wow, Solomon, what are you saying? What are you saying? Well, he's saying this. You ready? He's saying, man... It's really a bummer, if you will, to have riches and not be able to enjoy it. And then he says, number two, let's go number two. Here's the myth. You ready? There's labor without satisfaction. Picking it up in verse seven. All the labor of a man is for his mouth, and yet his soul is not satisfied. For what more has the wise man than the fool? What does the poor man have? Who knows how to walk before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of a desire. This is also vanity and grasping for the wind. Labor without satisfaction, church. Rich man, poor man are alike. What do they do? They work to stay alive. Rich man and poor man alike. They labor to stay alive. Yet, it says, yet eat. And yet we still get hungry again. Again, go to verse 8 with me. Notice what he says. If all you do is live to satisfy your appetite, then the wise have no, not advantage over the fool. Over the fool. So you go, Ben, what is Solomon, what, what's he saying in verses 7 through 10? Well, here's, here's what he's saying. It's better to have a little and really enjoy it than to dream about much and never attain it. It's better to have 
And again, here's what we should walk out. We should walk out going, Lord, I'm, I am just, I'm satisfied. I love my life. Whatever, whatever I have, amen. You have blessed me with, and I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy it. Now, here's the beauty of enjoying it. Like, like, I mean, I mean, think about this, guys. Think about this. We, we work really, really hard. We labor, and, and we don't have that satisfaction. Not only from the Word of God, but think about it like this. Think about it like this. So many people will go to work and find and hope to find satisfaction in the job that they're doing, and hopefully they make a difference. But what Solomon reminds us is that we can make a difference here on earth, but it's not going to bring soul satisfaction we're going to keep looking. Okay, what can I do more? How can I go? What more can I do? What do I need to do? And 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 we see it across we see it across the world. Hey, listen. This person gave so much money and donations and so the the wing of the hospital is named after them, but quite honestly, that's not and it doesn't bring satisfaction. It might for a moment. You might stand up there and people applaud and you get that and man but take a step back, Christian. Listen to me. Take a step back. Look at your life for a minute. What really brings true satisfaction, honestly? It's the little things with God all wrapped up in it. It's the little things. It's fellowship. It's when you hang out with a brother and, you, and you're able to just be honest with your brother and you have a great laugh and you laugh so hard and you just enjoy these things. And you go, wow. Why? Because God is in it. God is in it. When, when, you, when you, you don't have a whole lot. I mean, I mean, seriously, some of the best picnics with my wife is when we were poor. And it's like, this is, a, you know what? You have, come on, we put a blanket and we had just a couple of sandwiches or whatever it might be. And, and, and man, that was far better than, than some of these fancy fancy restaurants that we've gone to. And that's the whole point. The point is we've got to, we've got to put on a different set of glasses and go, okay, Lord, how, what, really, what really brings satisfaction? Okay, my faith and trust in you. Okay, that's what matters. That's what matters. Here's what happens. Here's what happens, guys, and, and we're, we'll get down to the next. But um, when our faith and trust, and we are so, and I can't, the, the best word that comes to mind is so saturated with God, that if we lose our job, we trust the Lord so much, we're like, well, amen. God will give me another job. God will find me whatever I need. God is going to take care of me. When we're so saturated with us and the world, that's what makes it hard, guys. That's what makes it hard because we find our, our, we find our identity in our job. Funny story about identity. I had a guy uh, text me the other day, a friend of mine texted me, and he goes, um, what's your last name? He says, is your first name Pastor and your last name Ben? Because that's all I know you by. And and isn't that what it, it's past? It's that's and and I, you know what? I'll somebody's. I'm walking away and somebody goes, Pastor, and I turn around like that's my name, Pastor. Yes, hey, yo, oh, what? You know, I have to be careful that pastoring is not my identity. It's 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 the calling that I have. It's what I do, but my identity comes from Christ alone. And the same thing with your job. If tomorrow you woke up and they said, hey, we don't need you anymore, then you would go, amen. But what we've got to get to the place, church, where we trust the Lord so much that you're able to do that in this life. Why? Because here's the thing. He says, he says, man, listen, all the labor of a man, he's just basically eating. He's just eating. Yet his soul is not satisfied. I'm just working so we can eat. I'm just working to put food on the table. He goes, but really at the end of the day, a rich man, a poor man, man. Isn't it the craziest thing? The Word of God says, you're going to work so hard you eat, and then what happens tomorrow? You're hungry again. Isn't that the craziest thing? 
And what's really funny is that, is that if you had breakfast this morning, guess what happens? You're hungry by the evening. It's all vanity, isn't it? It's all meaningless. Okay, I'm going to reiterate and then we'll jump to the third. It's better to have a little and really enjoy it than to dream about much and never attain it. Number three, questions without answers. Questions without answers. Notice he says in 6 to 12, Whatever one is, he has been named already, for it is known that he's a man, and he cannot contend with him who is mightier than he. Since there are many things that increase vanity, how is man the better? For who knows what is good for a man in life? All the days of his vain life, which he passes like a shadow. Who can tell a man what will happen after him under the sun? So, without going into, without going into great detail, Solomon touches on five questions that people often ask. Okay, number one. Well, since what's going to be is going to be, he says, why bother make decisions? This is what he's saying. Okay, look at verse 10. Whatever is one, he has been named already, for it is known that he is a man, and he cannot contend with him who is mightier than he. He's saying, well, now, we have to be careful with this. We have to be careful, because we don't want to take this and use what we call fatalistic theology. Fatalistic theology goes, well, if God's going to do what he's going to do, why should I even try? Why should I even witness? Why should I even share God's love? Or why, 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 why? But again, this is what Solomon's saying because he's not going to really give us answers. He's not. Okay? Then he says another, he says, let me, let me give you another uh, question that people often ask. You go, what's that? Number two, he says, why disagree with God? We can't oppose him and win. Can we? Now, again, we have to be careful with that because there are times in our lives when we do disagree with God. And mainly it's because we don't have the understanding that God has. God, God doesn't think the way we do. We, we have limited uh, information, and we still disagree. But yet we still go, well, God's God. He's going to do. And come on, you, you, you've been there from time to time. Well, God's going to do what he's going to do anyway, or God is God, so why am I even praying or anything else? And so that's questions that Solomon is saying. This is, he says, you're going to ask questions that, that, that don't have an answer. You know, you can't disagree with God. We can't oppose him and win. And he asks, can we? Let me give you number three. What do we accomplish with all these words? What do we accomplish? Number four, who knows what's good for us? Does anybody know what's coming next? Number five, these are all, guys, these are the questions that people ask. Let's read it again and see if you can pick them out. Look at verse 10. Whatever one is, he has been named already. For it is known that he is man, and he cannot contend with him who is mightier than he. There's those two questions. Since there are many things that increase vanity, there's a lot of things that increase meaningless, how is man better? For who knows what is good for a man in life? All the days of his vain life which he passes like a shadow. And who can tell a man what will happen after him under the sun? And these are questions. Again, think about it. Does anybody know what's coming next? We don't know what's coming next. We don't know what's coming next. So, again, the three mysteries of life, guys, if you'll just really grasp them, are really simple. He says, man, sometimes there's going to be riches without enjoyment. You'll, you'll work so hard and you won't be able to enjoy it. He says, the second thing, he says, the other mystery is labor without satisfaction. Labor. Again, rich man, poor man alike, they both work to stay alive. You're going to eat. And you get hungry again. And then he goes, let me give you the third mystery. He says, there's a lot of questions and I just don't have the answers. Why? Because here's the answer. Since, since what's going to be is going to be, should we really bother to make decisions? I don't have the answer to that. 
Should we disagree with God? Well, you know we can't oppose him and win, can we? <laughs> you go, no, he's God. Yeah, yeah. Does any of you know what's going to happen tomorrow? We don't, do we? So what should we do? What should we do? After, in light of all of these that he's trying to teach us, he gives us the myth of wealth and all of these. He says, what should we do? Well, go back to chapter 5. Go back to chapter 5. I want to show you the last two verses. Ecclesiastes, we're going to finish up chapter 5, 18 through 20. Here's what he says. Here is what I have seen. Okay, Solomon, give it to us, buddy. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor which he toils under the sun all the days of his life which God gives him, for it is his heritage. As for every man to whom God has given riches, wealth, and given him power to eat of it and to receive it heritage and rejoice in his labor, this is a gift of God. For he will not dwell unduly on the days of his life because God keeps him busy with the enjoyment of his heart. You ready? What's he saying? What should we do in light of all of this? Guys, I've been saying this for 20 years at Calvary. It's okay to eat and drink and enjoy your life. You're already looking over the sun. You've already created the sixth sense. It's your faith and trust in God. But Solomon goes, listen, here's what I found. Nothing satisfies, only God satisfies, so what should we do? You ready? I want you to take a minute in your own heart, in your own minds, think, okay, how would I enjoy my life today? What would, make, what would bring enjoyment to my life? What would bring enjoyment? He says, right now, you don't have 6 million, 60 million, 600 million in the bank, so that wealth is off the table. You're all going to get up tomorrow and go to work. You're going to do your job, whatever you need to do. Is it going to bring some satisfaction? Yeah, a satisfaction of doing a, 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 a job well done, going to school. Yeah, okay, a little bit, but it's not going to satisfy the soul. So what should I do? What should I do? What do you, well, here's the thing. Here's what I've seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat, drink, and enjoy all the good of his labors which toils, that in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life which God gives him for this heritage. So what's he saying? Everything you have right now is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. First and foremost, your relationship with Jesus has to be Numero uno has to be all in all. You got that? That's the first thing. Okay, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're going to be struggling with every other aspect of your life. You have to put your faith and trust. There has to be that relationship. You go, okay, then I got that. You've been saying that. Okay, so what should I do next? Okay, so from there stems relationships. Relationships. Why? Because we've learned to that God's created us to to what to have good relationships, to do life together to get involved in each other's life in a good way and, and an encouraging way and to, and to do life, to be brothers and sisters. He says that's what brings enjoyment. To bring enjoyment, you invite people over to your house and get to know them and enjoy, enjoy their company. Oh, man, yeah, but I don't have much. That's not the point. The point is you bring someone over and, 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 through, the, and through, again, guys, the, what, the breaking of bread, you, you get to know each other. And then by knowing each other, wow, Wow, you create a dynamic of family. Family. Enjoying life. Enjoy the fruit of your labor. You go, what does that mean? Here's the thing. I love my in-laws. And they're getting up there in age. And they don't eat very much anymore. You know, a little bit of a little bit of a little bit, and, and, and you, you, you can't sit down 
and put a, a, a full 20-ounce steak in front of them and baked potato and everything that they used to do. And so as we get older, we, we, we lose that opportunity and, 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 and the taste buds of really having something good. And, and, um, and, and so I see them sort of, sort of not eating like they used to. And so let's not make the mistake as as we get older, we lose that. And we lose that, we lose those relationships. And so what Solomon says is, hey, today, listen, God has given you taste buds, go out and enjoy. Praise him for that, though. Praise him for the steak, if you love steak. Praise him for the salad, if you love salad. Praise him for whatever, whatever fills your heart and your mind. If you go, Ben, food doesn't do it for me, man. But you know what do it, does it for me? My kids. Man, then spend time with your kids. Enjoy that time with your kids. Make memories. Make memories where you, where you just sit and laugh. That's, that's what he's saying. Enjoy what you have today. Why? Because do you remember the last question in chapter 6? None of us know what's going to happen tomorrow. And I don't think we want to be lying in a hospital bed, please forgive me, and going, man, I regret that I should have, I should have spent more time at the office. I should have spent more time doing this. I should have spent more time working. We should have said, I spent more time with my family. With my family, enjoying them. Enjoy them. Amen? Father, we thank you tonight for your word and the truth, God, in your word. And we thank you that it it just spoke to us, Lord. It spoke to us in a way where we just need to enjoy life. We need to love each other, enjoy, forgive, and just... Lord, live for today because our, our destiny is taking care of. Heaven is on earth. And I mean, heaven is, on, is, is taking care of. And so what we need to do is we need to just enjoy what we have on earth. Thank you, Lord. We continue to see what Solomon has for us next week. But we love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.